You know, I, as I was thinking about what we're talking about today, I came to this realization that distractions, they're absolutely everywhere. Distractions, they affect all kinds of things. They affect our everyday life. They affect our productivity. They affect work. Most of us, as far as uh, researchers say, feel distracted about 80% of the time. And in particular, at the workplace, we get interrupted with different types of disruptions about 56 times per day, which means that we spend about two hours a day trying to get back and refocus on work. Man, that's pretty rough, right? And as we think about what does that mean, I I mean, really what it does is it leaves us feeling at the end of the day, and and I don't know if you feel this way, but I, I feel this way sometimes. At the end of the day, I'm like, I don't even know if I accomplished anything. Anyone right there with me? Good, I'm not alone. That's good. Uh, Because here's what happens. As we continue to be distracted and, and lose our focus in those things, we end up making mistakes. We're two to three times more likely to make more mistakes because we have been distracted. Anybody there with me still? Absolutely. So how then do we tackle distractions? How do we tackle distractions? So what is it that distracts us? Well, at work, it's these things, right? It's um, things like texting. Anyone more productive at work when you forget your phone at home? Anyone more productive out in the yard when you leave your phone in the house, right? Or since it's a different world now, right? I I remember the days when the World Wide Web was not so worldwide, but it's always been a web, right? We always get tangled inside of it. And so how many of you, when you're starting, I mean, think about it, in school, uh, you're doing a paper, you're you're researching something for a class, you're, you're doing the work, and then an ad pops up, and before you know it, you're out investigating, what does it look like if I got that brand new lawnmower? Could I put myself on that today? You know, and, and you find yourself all the time being distracted by things such like, like texting and by surfing the internet. Or if you're in a big work situation and you're not like working from home, the only person there, uh, well, I mean, it could happen, I'm not sure, uh, gossip, right? You end up hearing the latest juiciest gossip about so-and-so down the hall or somebody that's connected to the organization or something like that, or it's just social media, right? All kinds of things just pop in. You get notifications on your phone. Apparently, notifications are just another way for you to get distracted, right? And we find ourselves then going, well, listen, and we kind of live in this world. We live in a world where there's so many things that are pulling for our attention. So how do we tackle it? How do we change things? Well, the people that suggest things said that if you would declutter your workspace, if you would make your workspace clean, how many of you say that's too much of a distraction, I'd never get my work done, right? You got to declutter, you got to make sure that there's not a lot of stuff distracting you. Avoid multitasking, right? How many of you believe that you can actually multitask? You can't. You can't, 
No, you can't. I can't. My wife just said that she can. It's fine. She might be able to, but most people can't. How do you, how else do you do it? You shut off your phone. Put it on silent. Schedule everything. Schedule everything, right? Uh, uh, noise blocking technology. Track your hours. White noise. Those are all the suggestions on how you can tackle distractions. In other words, they're just saying this, learn how to focus. If you can just learn how to focus, everything will be okay. If you can learn how to focus, it's great. So, learn how to focus. Have a good day. We'll see you later. If only it was that easy, right? How many of you have been in this situation where somebody's saying, listen, you should stop being distracted? Thanks. I appreciate the advice. Now I'm just going to be focused, right? If it were only that easy, everybody would do it. If it were only that easy, then we could honestly put anything in front of us and then be engaged in exactly what we need to do. We'd be more productive and we'd feel less distracted and we would make more progress. To be honest, all of us desire to be less distracted. There's not one of us that says, you know what, I'd really, not, I'd really like to live my life so I don't know whether I'm coming or going, what, and I don't know where I put my keys, or I don't know where I put my phone. And we, and we say, you know what, to be honest, I, I'd love to just be able to focus on something for just five minutes. And if we're really getting honest, we'd say, you know what? I really wish I knew how to focus on my faith. I wish I knew how to focus on my relationship with God. And so in that area, here's what we've tried. We've tried getting up early. Anyone tried the getting up early bit? Listen, that's the reason that I'm not, that I'm not focused on Jesus. It's because I'm not up before the sun's up right? And we find ourselves saying, okay, I'm going to get up early. Now, listen, I'm not a morning person, so maybe I'm just going to spend a little bit more time praying at lunch. You know what? I know that, I, that I'm too busy to eat lunch, and I, I'm too sleepy to get up early, so I'm going to spend time with God at bedtime. Anyone been in this kind of a weird thing where you're trying to figure out how do I prioritize God? And we find ourselves trying the next gimmicky type of opportunity for us to focus. And so, so maybe it wasn't in, in the time that you get up or the time that you go to bed or how much time you spend praying. Because to be honest, we were distracted then too. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to get a notebook and we're going to journal. We're going to write down. And so we, we start writing down our prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for this day. We need eggs, milk, bread. The kids haven't done their chores. And we find ourselves still distracted in those moments that we're supposed to be focused. And so we said, maybe it's not that. Maybe it's not in, in what time we get up. Maybe it's not in, in writing things down. Maybe it's in finding the latest devotional book. If I can find a short story and some scripture that go together, then I'm going to be more focused. In some places, we find a lot of success. But still, distractions, they come. 
And so when we start thinking about our relationship with God and this opportunity for us to always be distracted by things that are going on around us, I, and we're looking at this, this book of Hebrews, which is really a sermon. And it's a sermon written to a specific group of people. It was written to the Jews. And it was to help them to continue in their faith as they continued going towards what it means to follow Jesus. Because the author most likely knew firsthand what it was like to be distracted because the whole body of Jewish people were distracted by so many different things. They had so many things that were circling through their minds. Is it about angels and their power? Is it about adhering to this law or that law? Is it about being here at this point in this time and doing these things? What is it? Is it about adhering to the Sinai law? Is it about adhering to all the extra things that we know that we need to do? Is it about being in temple? Is it about, about eating the right things? Is it about giving the right offerings? What is it? How do we move towards Jesus? Because I know what is in my past. I know what we're coming out of, and it feels weird. It feels weird not to have all of the comforts of the things that I can check off my list. And the writer of Hebrews knew what it was like to be distracted. And it wasn't being distracted by bad things. It wasn't being distracted by things like having a, a nagging coworker. But it was by good things, by God things, by family, by friends, by traditions. And they were there living in the middle of the tension the tension that was created by those that were saying, come back. I need you to come back and refocus. Remember where you came from. Anyone ever heard someone say that? You, need, you, know, what, you know what happened to them? They just forgot where they came from. Mm-hmm. That's right. They, they forgot where they come from. You got to say it like that because otherwise it doesn't sound right. They forgot from whence they came, right? So they, they were living in this tension and it was this calling back to the things that are familiar, this calling back to the things that everyone in their family had done. Their family was calling them back to what they were taught about God, what they were taught about what it looks like to follow God, what it looks like for our family to be just a family. They were being called back to what we read in the Old Testament what we read in the, in the way, the ceremony, the sacrifice, the story of God. And they've been saying, come back. And there they were, the writer of Hebrews is seeing that these people were being called back into this place where they're saying, don't walk away from where your family has been for generations. The family, the friends, their priests, they were all shouting in unison saying, don't go away from what is comfortable. Stick with what you know. Besides, what would your grandmother say? Besides, what would your grandfather say? What would they think? And the writer of Hebrews declared, you are not walking away from you're actually walking into 
what God had promised all along. And in that, the writer of Hebrews is saying, listen, as a Jewish believer, one that has the promise of Abraham, you're not walking away from that promise. You're actually walking into the fulfillment of that promise. When you, are, when you follow Jesus, you are embracing that promise. You are in, embracing what was told to Abraham, that God would unite everyone through Messiah, through his seed, right? You're entering into the fulfillment of the law. And that's the tension. That's the tension because all the noise was going around them, swirling around them, and they were in that tension, and they did not know how to focus on the right things when everything else was calling for their attention. You ever been there? I don't know how to focus on the right things. I don't know how to to focus on the God things because there are so many things that are calling for my attention. I have work. I have school. I have friends. I have hobbies. I used to be able to choose what I do, but now everyone else chooses for me. How do you focus on the right things when everything else is calling for your attention? Can we be honest? Can, can we just be honest with each other just for a moment? Honestly, we like to be distracted. We like it. We enjoy it because you know what happens when you don't have, when you, when you have all this distraction going on? The pressure is off. Why do we fit, spend 20 minutes clicking on links on the internet? Because for 20 minutes, we're not thinking about the task that we really don't want to do. Why do we spend so much time just doing so many little things? Netflix, right? All of this stuff that happens, all of these diversions, even our, sometimes our hobbies fall into this. Sometimes every bit of what we think is a good thing distracts us from the right thing but we like to be distracted because those distractions, they give our minds a little bit of a break. Those distractions give us a little bit more breathing room and we like it. Besides, listening to the gossip in the break room, it's way better than working, right? Letting the kids watch TV shows is a whole lot easier than teaching them to do their chores. Besides, we have tomorrow. It's sunny outside. Let's go outside. It's a nice day. Oh, you know what? It's too bad of a day to do anything. Let's just sit and watch some shows. Oh, it's rainy outside. Oh, no, it's sunny. Oh, wait, the house is clean. Oh, the house is too dirty. So obviously, we've got to do something else. In fact, we have a hundred different reasons for us to lack being focused. Anyone there with me so far? Is that about right? So how then, in our faith, do we, how, are we not distracted? How do we avoid being distracted in our faith? 
Everything that we've read in Hebrews has led us into this moment, into this question, because we've built this understanding that Jesus is greater. Jesus is greater than anyone or anything. Jesus is greater than the angels. He is greater than anything that we've experienced. But Jesus also has given us grace in the midst of our trials. So Jesus is great. He gives us grace in the midst of our suffering. And so the writer of Hebrews tells us, how do you do it? You focus. Therefore, fix your thoughts on Jesus. If you have the 1984 NIV, it says, fix your eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes. Don't spend time looking around. Focus on him. Like I said, easier said than done, right? Think about this. In Matthew chapter 14, in Matthew chapter 14, Peter and the other disciples were with Jesus and he sends them along in a boat in the middle of the Sea of Galilee because it had been a really long day. Pressure had been mounting. The crowds were pressing in and there was no way for them to get to the places that they needed to go. So the pressure had been mounting and the only way to escape was on a boat. Anyone feel that? Right? Go out on the lake. Go on a cruise. Whatever it is, right? Jesus sent them along. He said, you guys go and I will meet you. He sent them along and then Jesus spent some time in solitude praying as he sent the disciples along in the boat in the Sea of Galilee. And later in the evening, as they, uh, as they are trying to kind of rest and those kinds of things, and, and, and they see this image appear out on the horizon. And it's not just an image, it gets closer. And it gets closer. And they thought maybe it's a ghost, but no, it was Jesus. And when they figured this out, Peter figured this out, and he said, oh man, oh man, it's Jesus, and I want to go see him. And so Peter gets out of the boat and walks on the water toward Jesus, meets him walking out on the water. And while Peter is looking at Jesus, everything is well. When, Jesus is when he's focused on Jesus, everything is going well. But then when the winds and the wave cause concern and he starts looking around, that's when he begins to sink. And that's where we figure out that we're like Peter. We're easily distracted from Jesus. Because truth be told, we'll fix our eyes on just about anything. Because we all have a tendency in our own hearts to follow after other gods. We follow after the things that we think will satisfy us more than Jesus. The original recipients of this letter, they were thinking, you know what? This following Jesus thing has caused us a lot of hurt and heartache. It's caused us a little bit of a riff in our family. It's cost us our jobs. It's cost us all manner of things. So maybe, maybe we should just go back. 
Maybe we should just go back to Judaism. Maybe we should just go back to what our family, our, 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 our father before us and the father before him and the father before him. We should just go back to what they did. Go back to what they have done. The writer of Hebrews is saying, don't do it. Don't be distracted. Don't be distracted by that calling back to comfort, the calling back to what you know, because what you know isn't going to get you where you want to go. Don't be distracted or you'll start to sink. And so I think there are two reasons. There are two reasons that we should fix our focus on Jesus. So how to be distraction-free? First, remember who you are. Anyone ever have your parents tell you that before you go out for the evening? Hey, listen, remember who you are. Is that like in case you get amnesia because you're doing stuff you shouldn't do, you fell and hit your head? That's why they put your name on the back of your, your shirt, right? That's, you know, underwear, those kinds of things, right? Remember who you are. Remember your name. Because I've been told that, and I've told my boys that very same thing. When you go out, when you do things about in life, you're not just carrying yourself, you're carrying my name. And what I want above all is for my name to actually mean something. Remember who you are. So verse one in chapter three, Hebrews chapter three, verse one, it identifies very plainly what we're looking at today. He says this, therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling. Before we are commanded to even consider and fix our eyes on Jesus, we need to start with the very focus of what our identity, identity is in him. We need to understand how is it that God sees us. So the statement is, remember who you are in Christ. And the writer of Hebrews tells us right out the gate that we are holy Remember who you are in Christ. You're holy because of a radical transformation that has taken place. You are holy because when you are in Christ, the Holy Spirit has taken up residence inside you. That doesn't mean that you're a perfect person. That doesn't mean that you're sinless. It means that there's something different going on inside you. And it means that you are holy, that you are set apart for God's purpose. For Christians, this means it's a radical identity transformation that is taking place inside you. We belong to Christ. We belong to Christ and we are being transformed for his purpose, for his plan. When we begin to realize that we are holy, it makes us see things just a little bit differently. In fact, it makes you see sin for the big deal that it really is. Once you understand that you are holy, that got through Christ, you are holy, that statement, I'm only human, 
I'm not perfect is no longer an, an excuse. If you see yourself as holy, now not holier than thou, because we have, we have encountered plenty of people that love to look down at others, right? We'd like to say that our sin doesn't stink as bad as your sin. But if you see yourself as holy, then you see sin as something that is entirely against who you are. If you see yourself as holy, then you see that sin is completely against your name. The fact that Christ is at work in you, the Holy Spirit transforming you, means that you can then be encouraged that God is at work. That God is at work transferring his likeness into you. If you are in Christ, and in Christ, what does that mean? It doesn't mean that you just began the walk. It doesn't mean that you just crossed the the starting line of faith. In Christ means that you are actively walking towards a relationship that is rooted in the Son of God. Because we find out not not only are we holy, we're part of a family. We're brothers and we're sisters in Christ. So the idea is simple. You don't belong to these other things because you have a new family in Christ. You are part of a legacy. It says it this way, therefore, holy brothers and sisters. And to be honest, this may be the first family that you're ever proud to be part of. For some, when we hear, let's think about our family legacy, we're like, I don't want that. For others, we're like, yes, we have a long line of faithful people. And I want you to know that this is why church is so absolutely important. Being together as brothers and sisters in Christ, it matters. Because that means as we are together, we take on the identity of Christ's family in the context of community. As we worship together, as we learn the word together, as we march towards a unified purpose together. In Christ, we are a holy family. And more than that, we're citizens of heaven. The writer of Hebrews says, therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling. We are called to a heavenly destination. This place as great as it is, is not our homeland anymore. It's not our country. It's not the place that we belong. Our family, our family that we belong to in Christ puts us into the right place of belonging. And maybe for some, finally you're proud of where you belong. We belong to Jesus. And he has called us to his home. Therefore, 
the writer of Hebrews says, fix your eyes on him. Fix your eyes, focus on him, focus your thoughts, focus your activity, focus your reasoning to him. Therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus. So the first thing is remember who you are in Christ. And the second thing, how to be distraction free. Remember who Jesus is. Fix your thoughts on Jesus. Consider Jesus. What is it that we need to consider about Jesus? Well, I'm glad you asked. Fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. In this, Jesus gets two titles, apostle and high priest. Now, this is not accidental, and it's not just some unpurposeful writing here. The writer of Hebrews says that Jesus is both apostle and high priest. It's a combination, and it summarized the reality that Jesus was both fully God and fully man, and it's what's been discussed in the first two chapters. An apostle means a sent one, one who is sent. And, and we read that, and we think about what's an apostle. We think about the 12. We think about the ones that walked with Jesus, where, in fact, Jesus was the very first apostle. John twenty twenty one says, As the Father has sent me, sent one, even so I am sending you. Jesus was sent by God to speak for God to humans. Jesus was sent by God to speak for God to humans, which is what an apostle does. And the high priest goes in the opposite direction. The high priest represents humans to God, bringing offerings into the temple. So bringing offerings on their behalf. So Jesus is uniquely both an apostle and priest. Jesus goes both ways. He goes both ways. And he can do this because he's both God and man. Besides, who better to represent God to humans than God? And who better to represent humans to God than a human? Jesus alone is both these things. Jesus perfectly bridges the gap between humans and God. Jesus shows us the right way to behave, the right way to relate to God, the right way to be in communion with God, the right way to be a follower of God, and he intercedes to God on our behalf. So what do we do? What do we do when life gets us distracted, when we feel like life is completely out of control, when we feel as though it's too much? Remember who you are and who Jesus is. If we don't wrap our minds around this very basic understanding, we will spend most of our time being distracted by things that take up our time and leave us unproductive and off purpose. If we are thinking in our faith walk, if we are so distracted by these things, 
we'll end up trying to behave our way to a good faith. We'll try to, try to bring it in as though our salvation depends on us, as though somehow our perfect attendance will make us get into heaven, as though our perfect, perfect dress or our perfect appearance or our perfect attitude. But in the end, us striving to do those things on our own just leaves us feeling empty and without hope. Do you know why? because it's not through Jesus. So through Christ, you are holy. Through Christ, you are family. Focus on Jesus first. And only through him are you set apart. Only through Christ are you holy. Only through Christ are you part of the family of God. Only through Christ are you made right before God. Begin with Jesus and stay there. Through Christ, we are a community. Through Christ, we are a together family of God. And it's not through our works. It's not through our buildings. It's not through the things that we do. The church must seek community. That is to be a family through Jesus. If you feel that being a part of this community is anything but being through Jesus, then you're doing it wrong. Christ first, everything else second. That means that we stop making church about ourselves. We stop because it's about Jesus. It's about the gospel. It's about a man came and he saved us from our sins. He died on a cross for our sins, made us right with God. He died for our sins, but he didn't stay dead. He rose again, and it's through the power of Christ, the power of the resurrection, right? He paid the price so that you and I, we can be transformed. Sinners like me, sinners like you can be transformed. So when we get caught up in the pressures of our job, of our family, when we get caught up in, in the stress of school, when we get caught up in deadlines and not seeing eye to eye and the difficulties that come with trying to make things work, remember who you are. You are holy. You're part of the family. You're a citizen of heaven. Let Jesus shape your identity. Let Jesus shape your identity and then act accordingly. Are you tempted to waste time? Let Jesus shape your identity and then act accordingly. Are you wanting to engage in gossip? Let Jesus shape your identity. Are you tempted to cut corners? Let Jesus be the filter for all of these things. Are you tempted to cheat on a test? Let Jesus be the filter of these things. Are you tempted to ignore your responsibilities? Let Jesus be the filter because you need to remember who you are. Your identity is in Christ. You are a holy family, a citizen of heaven. So what do you do? 
when you feel like you've drifted too far, when you've sunk too low. Just focus. Remember, because Jesus is, you are a holy family, a citizen of heaven. Since you have such a great name, act like it. Let's pray.